Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And we've got a great episode today. We're going to be looking back at the top uh, 14, goodness, looking back at the Super Rugby final, the Curry Cup final, and the under 20 um, World Championship that started, and just all the general rugby news that's been going on. Uh, my name is Tala. I'm hosting today's um, podcast, and I'm joined by Sean. And Sean and I have agreed with each other that we're going to talk absolute rubbish basically for the next 40 to 50 minutes. It's off season. It's off season. That's what, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Making composite yeah. 15s, talking a bit of junk, you know? Just basically, we know. you know what we're, we're doing? This is like a, it's that out of preseason session into the warm up because, because things are happening. The test, the test, mm. nation, the test world is coming alive. So, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, we're probably starting to um, transition to preseason now. So now we need to start looking into like, you know, warming ourselves up starting to look at like start saying all black state of crusaders and war, um, <laughs> wallabies state of waratahs and all that sort of stuff so we need to just get our our, our senses going showing the one thing that we were talking about before the pod that is my clear indication that the test season is here is people complaining about the hacker oh, well yeah i you're right in that in that that is just one of those things that happen on a cycle Generally happens after after the first test, but I, I I might be a little bit on their side, and I'm probably going to get absolutely ripped apart for this. But um, Matt, it was long. Um, obviously, um, yeah. It, the best way to describe it to like the untrained eye, and I mean, I don't know. Like, there's so many different um, hackers, and it's got so many different meanings, and there's so many different levels to it. But for for me, it just looked like a Hucker mixtape. Like it was long. There was a little bit of this. Like there were a few things that I started recognizing. I'm like, hey, I've seen that before, and I've seen this and that and whatever. So it was uh, it was long. If if the under twenties do that in every game for the for the world champs, like they're not going to make a hell of a lot of non Kiwi friends. I'll, I'll tell you that for free. It was a bit, it was a bit much. But um, so, uh, people just happy that it was that it was long. Was that the issue? Yeah, yeah it was long. <laughs> like, like they transitioned into one or two. Um, they, they even got the, um, the Maori All Black um, with Ash Dixon, that, that awesome mm. one that, that they did in the States, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was long. That was it. It was, it was long. And, and the thing is, is because people recognized like a whole bunch of different ones that were brought in they were like ah oh, now you're just kind of transitioning into it wasn't like a whole brand new one mm. if you understand what i'm saying but this really comes from a place of ignorance um i i don't i don't know the story behind it or anything but just from what we used to and what's happening it just looked like mm, this is a bit much yeah you know and like the whole debate is about okay what like should you face it should you like respected can you do something else and i mean you are allowed to do something else the, the only thing is that people well new zealand teams would usually just thrash you if you if you if you are disrespectful <laughs> but it's up to you if you want to be disrespectful or not if you consider that disrespect but i mean opposition teams can still control what happens post hacker and you know get the i mean i know like the french teams and english teams would get the tackle bags out and sort of do a, another warm up basically to to get them warm or some teams sort of sing their national anthem or something like that like in a huddle or whatever you want to do so i mean 
we've been here long enough. I mean, it's okay, especially for for the under twenties. This is their first time facing it, so I, I think the Welsh boys on Saturday and the teams are going to face New Zealand. They're all just so excited to face it for the first time, and and they'll More face so, up to it because you're right. It's the yeah. first time for so many, you know. Yeah, but for the international teams that are used to it, like you have so many options of what you need to do. If your union is willing to sponsor it, you can even probably pay um, a small fine if you want to advance on it and all that sort of stuff as well. So, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm tired about people being tired and, and, and complaining about it as well. But I do understand the context of this one was, yeah, because I saw the video as well on social media. I was like, that's a bit long. <laughs> for a usual yeah. hacker. And like you said, you started being like, oh, okay, that's the Mario one. Oh, no, no, that's the Chiefs one from a few years back. Oh, wait, wait, that is the yeah. original Baby Blacks one. So it was a bit of a, a mashup there. So I guess, I assume the team, it's a new-ish, I guess, under-20s team. We haven't had it for a while. So they said, okay, we don't have someone from last year that can teach us. We're just going to put everything that we know together. <laughs> Possibly. But yeah, I think... And that then led to a great um, match and a great comeback for the Baby Blacks as well. But let's start with the seniors and start with, um, we're going to first start with the Super Rugby Final and we'll go into the Carry Cup and that sort of stuff. Let's start with the Crusaders winning their eighth Super Rugby title in a row. We do not in this house count that Super Rugby Tasman um, tournament that the Blues won because (laughs) the Blues won it, so it doesn't count. The Crusaders winning 25 points to 20 in Hamilton. So that's their second um, Super Rugby title on a trot that was away from home. And essentially, they won it on a few key things that happened in the game. Um, In terms of just them, you know, the Chiefs basically had that 20 points to 15 lead in the second half. They had that try disallowed for Narawa um, for, um, I think it was McKenzie advancing before the lineout was over. Mm. Um, McKenzie tried a, a 52 meter penalty again. He missed it to, um, by not too much, which also could have extended it to eight points. And the Crusaders, once um, Sam Kane got a yellow card, they got their rolling more going, and, and Cody Taylor scored the winning try essentially. So a close game, and the Chiefs, I think, did as much as possible to try and win it. But you know, three yellow cards, one should have been red, probably. Three yellow cards, you're not going to win against the Crusaders. No, and, you know, I think the big talking points, there's massive news out of New Zealand, like Ben O'Keefe is saying he's just getting so much abuse from the Chiefs fans. And, and I was just like, I don't know where he's, on what grounds he's getting that abuse on. Like, I don't think he blew badly. Um, I don't even think that that yellow card, like, it's not even his fault because that was with the, with the law, well, with the way yeah. Super Rugby is set up with the laws, it, it's got that, that eight minutes off field for TMO. So it wasn't even his, his call. So, um, you know, he could potentially have, he could have possibly looked at it and made it a straight red, but why, when, when, you know, maybe you make a rash decision and you give a red and then everyone jumps down your throat saying, listen, you, why, why didn't you make it a yellow? And then they, everyone else could decide it. So whatever. Um, I really don't think the officiated the game badly. Um, I think the key moments in that game that worked against the Chiefs were of their making. Um, and that yeah. was one side. And the other side was just the Crusaders. They just need, they just need the, the door to just crack open and let a little bit of light into that dark room and, and they get going. 
you know. So like the the yellow cards, there were three yellow cards in the game. Um, the Sam Kane's one, like I see people chatting about it and saying, oh, you know, like, you know, he really should have done better. He knows better, blah, blah, blah. But pressure does that. Pressure forces you into making decisions and doing stuff. He he went up to get that ball at the at the ruck saying like it was out when it it wasn't out but his he was like but you know it's it's in the open and it was it wasn't it was behind it was in someone's in between someone's feet so so yeah that was that was poor the other thing was that that mckenzie disallowed well that mckenzie being offside that was one of the things it didn't you didn't like see it take the air out of their sails but it was almost like the Crusaders, because that, that was a swing. That was a swing moment there, because that try, Chiefs win it. Crusaders' heads drop. Um, there was no way back. The Chiefs would have done enough to hold on. I, I feel from there. But when that changes, that's that little that little crack in the door where the Crusaders are like, right, guys, there's our wake up call. Another one. Now it's time to start working it. Um, they played well. Thought Lester Fanganuku was was relatively quiet, but he was his role in the game was was to bash stuff up, and and Chiefs were defending him really well. They defended well. Sean Stevenson is going to cook, and he did cook, but he's going to cook. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say it: he's going to play for the All Blacks. He's going to have like one and a half games of absolutely setting Test rugby on fire. And then he's going to get dropped because he's in there as an injury replacement. So it's inevitable, like no matter what he does. So, yeah. Anyway, that, that being said, it was like, if you're looking at the stats and how everything is, it was pretty much even. The, if anything, the Chiefs had, had a little bit more. Yeah. Like they, they had a little bit more to their game. Um, the Chiefs, like I always look at the, at the defense, at the tackles, because generally the team that tackles the most like is in with a good shot. If you know, like so see it so often, especially in test rugby, you see like a team that's made 200 tackles, but they still win the game. You're like, Hmm, that's so weird. But I mean, the chiefs made more tackles in that game. They beat more defenders in that game. They like, you know, and everything else was pretty much even after that. So yeah, it's, it's great when a side can push the crusaders that far because um, the Crusaders are beatable, and the Chiefs like just couldn't do it on the day. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can agree with that last last <laughs> point, short because if it's finals time, <laughs> I don't know who beats the Crusaders right now. And I would love, you know, a four team tournament with what I at least consider the best four teams in the world, which are the Crusaders, La Rochelle, Toulouse, and Leinster. I'm sure Crusaders would also be added to that. They beat this team, but not this team. Um, act, um yeah. like sort of cycle as well. But yeah, I think Sean, you're completely right about the game. Um, evenly matched. Nothing really that the Chiefs can complain about in terms of the stats. They didn't really do too much, or they didn't do anything that they shouldn't have done. I mean, you have ninety percent tackle success. Um, the two kicks that DMAC missed. I mean, one of them was about. Was over fifty percent, so you can't really complain about that. Lineups were a bit shaky. I mean, four out of seven. You you probably don't mm. want to want to have that. But yeah, everything else was relatively even. Like turnovers, one was even. The penalties were okay. Actually, the penalties were an issue as well. Fifteen penalties for the Chiefs and three yellow cards compared to eight for the Crusaders, and that's probably the difference because the Crusaders were able to get territory and possession 
have in their game as well. And that's and, a discipline issue, eh? yeah. And and pressure. That's discipline and pressure. You can't like you can't like ping. Sometimes a referee can can overextend himself and give too many penalties, and generally they fall on one side. But it wasn't the case in this game. I my my I watched it once. I haven't watched it over. But you don't. I didn't get that feeling where I was like, mm, "This is not happening for the Chiefs." But it it wasn't the case. It was just a discipline side from from them. Like maybe the moment was was too much. Like in a, in a in a respectful way, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. they were just trying too much, you know. Look, I mean, I don't. I want to hear your thoughts about the yellow cards. I mean, I think two of them were basically pressure yellow cards. Like you're trying to defend your line, or you trying to make something happen in the game and Jacobson and Kane were yellow carded for that. The ALB one, like you said, I think you're perfect in that analysis. Um, ben O'Keefe, if he's given the opportunity by the rules to go, hey, I'm not going to make the decision. The the TMO can make the decision with, you know, that eight-minute period that he has. Of course he's going to do that. So I have no issues with what um, Ben O'Keefe did there. It's definitely on the TMO. <laughs> I don't know where he found mitigation. And I think Ben O'Keefe even gave him almost the, the the cheat sheet there because he said there's no mitigation to yellow card in his decision. So I don't know how he found that there was enough at least mitigation because, yes, um, was it McLeod, I think? Yes, he dipped, but definitely not enough to justify it being a penalty. Your thoughts, Sean? Oh, I'm, I'm angry, man. <laughs> I don't have a problem with... I actually support what Super Rugby are doing with giving a yellow and making it an off-field red. I support that. The, the, how quickly the game got back underway is essentially what they're after. Everything was right. Uh, there are two things that I am supremely angry about. Dallas McLeod not going off for an oh, HIA goodness. straight away is diabolical the man was down he was out he was bleeding from his nose or his face they clearly saw it was head-on-head contact they both should have gone off for an hia but the fact that dallas mcleod was allowed to play for two more minutes before they took him off is a shocker it's Mm. diabolical like it goes against everything world rugby are trying to do everything that's trying to happen and i i can't for me that I could not believe it. And I, I even tweeted it off the Rugby Bits account. I was like, he has not gone off. It's, a, it's terrible, but he will go off in the next few minutes. And two minutes later, went off and failed his HIA. Like, how are they not picking that up before? Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest problem for me. Like, that's, a, that's two minutes of a game. You can make, you can, he can be involved in more contact in, in two minutes. Um, and he didn't look right. His face was all, was bleeding. Like you could see there was head-on-head contact. We, they should make it mandatory if they have to. Because yes. the thing is, is, is the laws and rules are changed because people are either taking the piss or they're not being implemented properly. It's going to get to a stage where World Rugby are going to say, right, any head-on-head contact, both are offer an HI non-negotiable. Yeah. And you're going to see a light one happen and everyone's going to be up in arms. Um, you need to come back to this moment here and you need to look at it and understand why this was put in place because there are there's off field like um, doctors and they're supposed to be looking at stuff and doing. They had ample time to look at it beforehand. They during the breakdown, uh, like when the when the contact happened, there was three or four minutes between when it happened and and the yellow card. There's time to look at it. I mean, oh, anyway, 
There, now that's that's out of the way. The other thing is that Anton Leonard Brown, the contact was a red card. It's a straight red. You watch the you watch it, you see it's a yellow card, but understand that super rugby allows for it to be a yellow card, and then off field they've got eight minutes to upgrade it to a red if need be. Head on head contact. Dallas McLeod totally dips slightly, but he dips, yes. But that would have not changed anything. Anton Leonard Brown came at force. He was not hinging at the hips. He did not change his height. It was always going, he was always going to make high contact. So it's not that like his high contact was changed by Dallas McLeod dipping. It's just, it's poor. It's poor all round. Um, and uh, there's nowhere, there's nowhere in the laws or anywhere where you look at that and go mitigation or law, blah, 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 states that this doesn't have to be a red card. It's a shocker. It's a shocker. There were one or two trolls taking the piss on social media saying it's play on, but that was literally for, for attention. I really don't believe there's one person that looks at that incident, one fan that looks at that incident and goes, that's not a red card. I didn't see one that wasn't trying to what seemed like they were trolling. So it's poor. Anyway, Anton Leonard Brown has been, um, has been cited, so I do expect him to be banned. Um, I really don't expect that to come away with nothing. That's definitely a red card offense, and that's why it was cited. So we'll see what happens. So the bad side of the coin there is Anton Leonard Brown's not going to be playing for the All Blacks for one or two games, which means Rico's going to be playing 13. No. I was, waiting, man. I was waiting for you to get to that realization. I was just rent laughing. Free. Rent free, man. He lives rent free. You're, I can't believe it. But anyway, I'm... I just want the right decisions made and the wrong decision was made, basically. Yeah. So I'm talking about the card. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome, Rika Ioani, to being the outside center for the All Blacks in the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Just a few quick other things about the game. I mean, the three tries or three of the tries that were scored, I mean, two of them were running malls. They're beautiful, I guess, in their own right. But three of the tries were just amazing, like, backline moves. And the Stevenson one and the one that Wonga finished as well were just top draw. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 you can't really ask for more than that, especially in the finals. So both teams, their attack was on it on, on Saturday. Um, even mm. the, the Narao one that was um, disallowed, that was a really, really good move. Yeah, I... Really, like the Chiefs are definitely the best backline attacking side, I think. Um, but I just want to say something completely left field. Mm. I'm, I'm slightly, I'm slightly upset because I, I believe this has to be separated. Cody Taylor is now or is equal to I can't remember. I'm doubting myself, but he is the highest scoring forward in Super Rugby history. Mm. or equal he's he's up there and he has overtaken and and uh, i like cody taylor and but the thing is he's a hooker so uh, like can we not distinguish between what was like a more try and what wasn't a more try because it, it's unfair and he's overtaken scott higginbotham who was his try scoring his Tries per game ratio was astronomical, and he was scoring blistering tries. This guy should have been around when Eddie Jones was coaching because he would have been—he would have been like, "Oh, you want a utility forward that can play on the wing? 
<laughs> I present to you Scott Higginbotham. And he scores <laughs> tries too. So I tell you, EJ would have snapped him up. But yeah, I, I'm, I feel... Huh, I feel that we need to. There needs to be an asterisk there or something because Higginbotham's tries and what he was doing, he did score some more try, more tries. I do remember that, but he majority of his tries were like were ridiculous. There's got to be a difference, surely. Like you can't be like relegated down to fourth or fifth on the log and everyone just looks at him, and doesn't pay attention in the future because they're like, ah, oh, you know, he's five tries off, so he obviously wasn't that good. Well, yeah, he was a. Flippin' eighth man, Lucy, and he was just running them from everywhere. And he left Super Rugby early. Anyway. Okay, so... Another, another we moan. Are, we are striking <laughs> out um, Cody Taylor from the records. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you can, the, 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 the hookers can have their own, their own little window of tries, top try scorers and leave the rest of the forwards to fight out the rest. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to represent um, Cooks here. Um, he was having a rant, but this is in the soccer context about um, people only counting goals that weren't from penalties. Being like, that makes zero sense. And I think I'll... I'll what? I'll, really? Yeah, there's this thing about like, you if you score a... a you'd ha- you should have like a, 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 a like your goal count and your non-penalty goal count because penalties are obviously easy, easier to score, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Which, Sean, you're teetering what? on the edge of saying these things now as well, but not out allow, <laughs> but I, I just want Cooks to note that I did raise this point um, in his absence. Yeah, no, I, I was also just super happy for Taylor just seeing his emotion after the win as well. I don't, You're... I think he's, he's, he's still going to be here next year, right? I don't think he's going. Uh, I know... He's not leaving and unless him leaving has been overshadowed by everyone else leaving. But yeah. no, he's, he's there to stay. So he's going to, He's going to climb super high on that little list. <laughs> so, yeah, but the main thing, and I, I, I'm shocked we didn't address it until now, is, okay, what was our, what, what's our, what, what do we think about the dance performance from Scott Robertson and Richie Umonga? I was just going to say, like, I, I, he, the, he photobombed, he dance bombed. What is it? What, 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 what can we call it? He's just cruising there, worming across. I was like, whoa, hang along. I look a second that. Jeesh, I couldn't even say that out properly. But he's waited, he's waited until, until, until coach had his last game because he, if he did that last year, he would have been benched for the season, buddy. You can't, <laughs> you can't take, you can't steal the limelight off the coach. And he, he had his, he had his moments. He was like, I got this. And then he was like, <laughs> No, he definitely stole the moment there. But yeah, great worm. I mean, Razor did his thing. We know what he does by now. He hasn't really changed in the last four or so years. Was that his wife that came into the circle at the end? I assume so. I, I actually don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I assume I so. I'm with you. I assume so. Yeah. Is there, Sean, is there maybe, because I know you're a bit um, more seasoned than I am, if I can put it like that. Is there a beef between Justin like Marshall and Scott Robertson that we don't know about? Because it just sounded like Justin Ooh. was a bit salty about everything, especially in that celebration video. Uh, I don't know of something openly, but maybe he's on the Steve Hansen train and maybe he's <laughs> holding a little bit of vibes against Robertson because of what NRU did. Uh, okay. I mean, NZRU. Maybe. Correct. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating, eh? Please do not yeah. quote me on this. Just throwing it out there. 
No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear any uh, <laughs> reasoning because he just sounded a bit like almost sarcastic and being like, "Yeah, he's doing it again. He's such a horrible dancer. We don't need to watch it." I don't know if he was just bored about the break dancing thing or whatever. But I mean, Marshall's usually hype man for everything. So I know he loves that sort of stuff. Yeah, let the boys play. Yeah. So I'm, I was very surprised. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, maybe there was some. <laughs> I don't know, historical beef from, you know, the early 2000s or something that, that I might have missed. Yeah, but, I mean, apart from that, Razor did his thing. We'll have to see how many times or what competitions he decides to do it for the All Blacks. <laughs> but, yeah, as, as we discussed a few weeks ago, he'll probably have to be a bit more selective. It has to be only, like, rugby championships and later slows and World Cups, probably. Yeah, let's wait and see. So much happening. So much water's got to travel under the bridge in the next few months. It's, oh, it's gonna. We we are actually. I mean, I know it's a World Cup year, so it's obviously going to be exciting, and everyone's eyes on for everything. I mean, Wales have now lost Ken Owens, and it looks like oh, it might goodness. be for the World Cup. Like they've yeah. lost all their captains, all their caps. So, um, very much looks like Dowie Lake is going to be front and center for the Welshman. But anyway, sorry the. So there's so much happening, but there's even more happening now. Like so much, even with the Springboks, with um, with Jacques Minaba leaving it after the World Cup, um, Scott Robinson going into the All Blacks, Eddie Jones and Steve Borthwick. Like there are so many things happening, which is awesome because it keeps us in the mix leading <laughs> up to rugby championship, friendlies and the World Cup. But there's... This story is not done. All these stories are not done yet. There are going to be there are going to be some serious like curveballs thrown all over the show, I feel. I think it's only just beginning. Yeah. And yeah, just a final word. Um, yeah, obviously well wishes to Richie Monga leaving Super Rugby as, in my opinion, the best Super Rugby player ever. Sam Whitelock is not too far on that list as well, and he leaves with what 20 super rugby titles or whatever it is yeah and they've <laughs> they've really yeah i think they've i mean sam whitelock did like sort of do that era when the crusaders could never win the, the final or the semi-final and would pretty much the best team for like five years with blackadder the todd blackadder and now is in this era where the crusaders can't find an excuse to lose it um so yeah he's obviously been a big servant of super rugby so that's going to be interesting to see if the Crusaders can still maintain this next season. You won't bet against them, even without Monga and, and Razor. But yeah, I'm sure the other teams are just happy to see the other side. of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And interesting to see what comes in Super Rugby next year. There's like an all, a whole other story happening there. So mm. good times. Okay, so let's move to look at the Curry Cup final that also happened this weekend. The Cheetahs winning that 25 points to 17. Um, everyone has um, dusted off their run. Pinot takes, he's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. He had a great game. Um, I think also we must mention, she's Jean-Dre Rudolph just came to the game and had five turnovers, which was ridiculous. And... I mean, Dennis De Beer was good. You know, they, yeah, I think it was a, a pretty, like, in terms of, uh, I only saw the, the highlights, but it, it, it wasn't really like a cheetah's running away with it as much as, you know, the, 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 it was competitive. It just, obviously, the cheetah's had 
a bit more quality at the end. And yeah, the Cheetahs are now the Curry Cup champions, well-deserved, I think, a very good team. Probably almost, yeah, them and the premiers can put in this bracket of probably too good for this like watered-down Curry Cup, almost a semi-pro Curry Cup in a way. But yeah, obviously we can't really find a solution for them to be in a regular um, international tournament year after year. So that's unfortunate. But a great send-off for, um, well, not send-off for Ron Pienaar because he's decided to play another 23 seasons. But yeah, a great game and a great win for the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein. I never thought I would be, I never thought I'd see the day when South African fans would, would be okay with Ruan Pinup getting back into the Springbok setup. <laughs> now, <clears throat> it's, it's, I, I never thought. I've, it's no secret that I'm a massive fan of Ruan Pinup. I think he's probably one of the most talented backline players we've ever had. To be able to play Test Rugby at 9, 10, and 15 um, is, is quite remarkable. But I just think he got a raw deal a couple of times. Um, but he, man, he's a talent. He is a talent. And I've been fighting for him. And I, I still think that he's one of those players that is probably one of the unluckiest Springboks not to, not to reach 100 tests. So I'm super happy for him. Signed a year contract extension. Um, man, just, yes, the gift that keeps on giving. So Loving it. Uh, there's some questions asked about would he get a Springbok call up, and it was very interesting and quite clear that he was like, "Nope, I'm gonna have holiday with my family." So <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he just basically told everyone, "Listen, there's there's no plans. I haven't got any calls from any Springbok coaches. Like, just don't worry, everything's fine." Um, but yeah, great player. Um, that's what we want, man. Like, um, grew up, uh, went to the Sharks, made his name, Springbok, went overseas. Um, became a legend, an Ulster legend, um, you know, went to Montpellier, did bloody well there. And then he came back and wants to end his career at home and then he starts doing this sort of stuff. It's uh, quite insane. So, yeah, super happy, man. Oh, Yeah. And if Siam Mosoko can just take 20% of what Ron Pinar has probably taught him the last year or so, that will be fantastic for his career as well going forward knowing that he's going to the Sharks. And, I mean, there's a decent opportunity for him to be at least a backup playoff um, in the URC team. So that's also something to look forward to. And, yeah, I think mm. Bloemfontein did well with their hosting. You know, you had the Harley Davidsons. You had the Boeing that flew over the, the, the stadium. It was actually the anniversary of the World Cup win, right? The 28th anniversary. Um, I don't know. Was it on Saturday? But um, I believe so. I know it was... It- Oh, or that weekend, maybe. Well, I knew it was this weekend. It was, yeah, it was over the weekend. So quite incredible. I've actually very fortunately watched a Curry Cup final in Bloemfontein and Cheetahs mm. won it. It's when the Cheetahs beat the Lions. It was a long time ago. But the Cheetahs beat the Lions, I think it was. Um, the Cheetahs beat the Sharks in the semifinal, and that was a bit of a shakeup. And then mm. the Cheetahs beat no a lie. Maybe maybe the Lions beat the Sharks. But either way, I know the Sharks were gonna host the final. And then it uh turned out that um that it worked out in such a way and then the Cheetahs hosted it and they I think they needed to score fourteen points in ten minutes or fifteen point uh, no, it was fourteen or thirteen points in ten minutes to win it at home and they did it. It was quite quite something. But 
Bloemfontein, all those years ago, blew me away, man. Like Curry Cup final, like there were tractors, like orange tractors with like <laughs> cheetah paw prints all down the side. Like that was just the norm down the road. I was like, what the hell's going on here? These people are weird, man. Anyway. <laughs> and then only did I realize like they were just supporting. And then I figured out what it was all about. It was flipping insane. And then to be part of it was, uh, well, to be there and, and be part of it was quite, quite incredible. So yeah, it was great for Bloom, man. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good day in the office for everyone, and I'm I'm glad also that it was looking to be full. Bit of a pitch invasion at the end of the game as well. So I think Bloom has yeah. to work on their on their um, security, especially if they are trying to like stake their claim to hosting like European matches and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, apart from that, yeah, great day for. In that cat fight between the cheetahs and the pumas. Sean, let's move. Oh, very quickly, I want to mention the that Gloucester Hotbury also won the the Premiership, the Premier 15 final um, against Exeter the weekend. Um, they, what a result! Yeah, yeah, look, I'm a look, I'm a Saracens fan for both the men and the women. Um, so I'm a bit unhappy about them not making the final. But yeah, seemed like Gloucester was really happy to 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 make the final or to win the final as well. And I saw this stat about um, I want to get her name right. If I'm Natasha Hunt, Natasha Hunt, yes, with the assists, the twenty nine assists that she made in the tournament. What? Yeah, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Ridiculous. 20, yeah, yeah. It's up to Johnny. So for those who love rugby and, and don't follow up to Johnny, please follow up to Johnny. It's the um, it's the up to stats, but the all rugby based stuff. But yeah, he listed it, uh, or the account listed it, um, 28 try assists, and he listed it by round. Mm. And there were, out of the 19 games played by Hunt, there were five games where she didn't provide a try assist. <laughs> and in round five, she gave five try assists. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We'd be, we'd be, if any, any, a male player did that we'd just be like you need to be kept and you need to be kept now <laughs> kind of thing you know like that's how but i tell you the women's game is quite something i've been following the premier 15s not exceptionally close but i mean i've been involved with it for a couple of years now and um like there there seems to be a really there isn't it's not a one-way traffic it's not a leinster win everything kind of a league um, mm. there are upsets all over the show. There's some sides that, that take a pasting, but you know, like it's in terms of the growth, um, the growth is clearly on an upward trajectory because they are, the, the games are pulling in thousands and thousands of fans. If you look at it year on year, everything's just, they're just smashing the records out the park with, um, with games. If you look at the women's six nations, they also, um, set a record for fans one of the the Six Nations games, so yeah, it's in, it's incredible. There was a little bit of a shakeup where the Prem 15s, where some sides were dropped, and yeah, it was a bit controversial. I don't know enough about it to to comment, um, but you know, there's you know a couple of sides that are coming through the mix and been allocated uh, Prem 15 status. So next year it's going to be pretty decent. We got a couple of our our book women playing there as well, mm-hmm. um, so. There's always a couple of our, our ladies to keep an eye out for, but it's 
it's good. It's well worth the follow. And um, just following on Twitter and seeing people comment about being at the game, they just say it's just incredible. Like the vibe is great. Like it's yeah. not it's not men rugby supporters, uh, men's game rugby supporters. You know, like that kind of like drink get drunk fall over, yeah. um, um, cause chaos kind of stuff. Like it's just a great environment. Better in some ways. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great for them, and yeah, another championship for them. Um, also nice that little video that the Gloucester men did to um, announce the team was also a nice touch. Hey, yeah, man, hopefully that's what you need. Yeah, man, things like that should happen more and more automatically. So I, yeah, I, to be fair, the Saracens, Saracens uh, club are heavily involved all around. Like it is, yeah. is like. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening there with both teams. So. Yeah, I, my thing, my hope is that that's like, it's an easy goal. Like it's an open goal for people to to take there. So hopefully that happens more in future. Um, yeah, so that's that's that um, on, the, on the Premier 15s. Quickly on the under 20s. So we had a whole, well, a whole Saturday of the under 20 championship or cha- yeah, championship happening um, on Saturday. Um, hosted in Cape Town or in the in the Western Cape in general, and basically, the good news is <laughs> it's not being hosted in the Cape Town Stadium. I mean, the other pitches were holding on for dear life in some of the highlights and games that I saw. Um, hosting it in winter in in Cape Town probably not the best idea ever. But apart from that, great matches. The England Island game, one match that I did sort of see a lot of was. Really, really, really good. And that ended in a, I think, 35-all draw. New Zealand also came 34s. back. 34s, yeah. New Zealand came back from, like, almost death to win against um, Wales. South Africa narrowly beat Georgia. I think maybe more people should focus on the Georgia side being a lot better than maybe some people might have thought than complaints about Under the spring 40s. box. Yeah. The- <laughs> Sean, do you want to talk about your your friend in the Georgian um, bench? Um, so I'm I'm a big a big one on on getting people's names and trying to say them right, but I I don't have a list of everyone of the of the sides all the under twenties. So I I do apologize because I, I do like to name name people. I I think the I've got Georgian, it here. So it's the Georgian Nicolas, replacement hooker. Yeah, Nicholas Babunashvili. Okay, Nicholas Babunasvili is is Mr. Nicholas Babunasvili. He's not a under twenty. He he was dad bodding hard. He's a big human. Okay, we we know this from the Georgians. But he was dad bodding. Had a beard. Yes, it's not unusual for under twenties to have a beard. But he had like an old beard. Like it's, I don't know how to explain it. But like he had a beard beard. Like he's been shaving for like a decade. <laughs> he had a like he, he had like receding hairline which is also not unusual but he looked old he was dad but he couldn't even fit into his top properly he really looks like like he's somebody he's like the forwards coach and they're like shit we've got an injury let's just put him in no one will know the difference <laughs> he really he looked like an worm he really did but yeah i i'm i am being a little disrespectful but it was um there were a couple of guys listen to be fair the georgians have never really ever had baby faces there's only been a couple of the youngsters that have come through that have really looked young and that's because they started playing for the georgia under 20s when they were 16 so you know <laughs> be that as it may 
But yeah, just to, yeah, quick, my brief little roundup of, of the under-20s, Argentina, Italy. Italy got an early red card and Argentina just sorted the whole thing out and said thanks for, for coming. So that was a big win for the RGs. England, Ireland, um, that game was flowing. Like it, it, the momentum was sw- swapping between sides. Um, I thought, yes, see, I was the English... The English back five were ginormous. Mm. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, I thought there's no way Ireland are going to even be in the mix. And um, and yeah, England had the upper hand and then they didn't have the upper hand and, and then it went down. A couple of kicks missed by Prendergast, who's like the next best thing at 10 for Ireland. Like everyone's saying he's the next Sexton. So um, so he didn't have a great kicking day, but these things happen to everybody. Like, let's be honest, but very interesting. The French on the 20s were French, yeah. Very quickly, uh, do you have any idea how different this England team was to the England team that was in the under-26 nations? Because I don't think there's been much difference, but they they performed really, really well considering that they weren't that, like, they weren't that great in the the 20 tournament. Yeah. I don't think there were too many changes. I don't think necessarily in the pack. I, I will say something. Both the English props. Oh my goodness. Oh my They word. are massive, massive guys, which is what the you prop expect. That but they are, yeah, they are mobile. They've got hands. They get involved. Both of them. I, I was, the, and, and the one guy, the Lucid prop, I, don't, I can't remember his name. Mm. I think he was not, I, uh, it was one of the props, but they, they were at London Irish. So they're kind of a free agent at the moment. And to have a game like that, when you know there are some people looking at you is is quite something. So yeah, England have got some stars. They really they've got they've got players that you can really you can totally see a lot of those players playing um professional like playing in the Prem. Mm. That's the kind of look they have. So that's why I was surprised by what happened. But yeah, I don't know the balance of how many of them played the under 20, uh, played the Six Nations versus now. But they I think I'm gonna, I'm really gonna take a blind stab here, but I really just by the look of it, I, I think they were pretty much the same. But yeah, <laughs> but the French under twenties they beat Japan seventy five twelve. France were Francing; they were just doing their thing. Um, we spoke about the the Kiwis, uh, Wales versus New Zealand. I think the big standout for me was um, the two things was um, I really thought Wales were gonna win that. Um, but New Zealand played a different game in the second half. They really changed the way they did things and how they owned the situation. The one thing I will say about Wales, that is the biggest center pairing I've seen in years. <laughs> they are big. <laughs> they are really, really big. Um, Australia, Fiji, I missed the game. I was following it on socials, but it went like Australia were in the, in the lead. Fiji were in the lead. It was just chopping and changing. At one stage, I thought Fiji were going to win it. So it finished 46-37 to Australia, but I think Australia scored at the end while Fiji were pushing for the win. Um, so that's how, uh, something, that's how it all unfolded there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Australia and Fiji go a little bit further. Um, mm. Or go, go deep, should I say, into this tournament. Yeah, and then South Africa and Georgia, I watched a bit of the first half and I missed a lot of the second half and um, I got nervous. I really did because <laughs> I thought South Africans were going to, they did the opposite to what New Zealand did. Like South Africa did really well and then just took their, their foot off the gas, it seemed, you know. So there's got to, there's a lot got to change um, or be polished, should I say. But yeah, well, great, great opening round. 
mud bath everywhere for everyone. So looking forward to seeing what happens for the rest of the tournament with the pitches. <laughs> Good luck to those pitches. Um, yeah, I think the one thing I wanted to say was um, for the France-Japan um, game, there's a try scored from like basically the others, like from the 20, from their 22 by, I want to get his name right, uh, Noah Zinzin, Zinzan. And is he the next Seku Makalu? Yes. So I think he also yes, is he's a Lucy. France. Yeah. And runs like Mate. wind. Jeez. And he, he runs like a back. Like <laughs> you can see, you know, but you can see the style of the way people mm. are running. Like when they're running and there's, there's option for swerves and whatever he's got. Yeah. Yes. He's got wheels. Wheels. <laughs> so that is also, a, yeah, you know, I think don't watch this if you're a fan of like other teams because you're obviously being encouraged by your players and that's good. But then you just look at the other players that or other countries are producing other players. You're like, oh, oh snap. We're still going to deal with a great Irish fly half. We're still going to deal with awesome English locks and a great eighth man and another Ellis Gange. We're still going to deal with another Makalu or, you know, <laughs> you can start getting a bit in a deep hole when you, Look at it from that perspective. But yeah, he was great. Or oh, that try was amazing, I should say. And he seems to be really hyped up, at least in the one or two French um, uh, accounts that I follow. That yeah, he's going to be the next big thing. Um, yeah. And the Pentagrast, I, I, I watched him today and, or watched him on, on Saturday. And the one, I think the biggest compliment you can give a player at this level is. He looks like he should be a professional right now where other yes. players maybe look, you know, they still need to be a bit refined more. But I mean, apart from his yes. goal kicking, which is an easy fix, his aggression and defense, his aggression and attack, he's got it. Like, yeah. He's also some, big, eh? He, I didn't he's, realize. He's like six yeah, foot. Yeah. He's, a, he's massive. Yeah, there was obviously some people that were saying like crazily like he should be in the World Cup squad or whatever. I mean, we can hold the brakes there, but yeah. I won't be too surprised if he's not playing like the majority of the URC games next season for Leinster. Like he's at least at that level um, for next season. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he progresses in the next few years. But um, Lewis Chisholm, um, Ollie Chisholm's brother, goodness, he's also really good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how these, how these players go. The pools are also quite interesting. Because England and Ireland, as we saw in the same pool, Australia's in that pool as well. So that's going to be interesting. France and New Zealand are in the same pool. That's going to be they, a crazy They play night. on Thursday. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> they play on Thursday. I and then, I mean, the spring box are, I mean, the baby box, I mean, yeah, the pools may be somewhat easier. But, I mean, Argentina showed their quality. Italy's a lot better than that result. Um, they beat a few of the big teams in the... Six nations and 26 nations. So, yeah, that's not the. I mean, there's glass half full and glass half empty. Like, half full, they haven't really had many warm ups and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, they will improve. But, yeah, half empty is. Uh, that's going to be quite interesting against a uh, Puma side on fire and an Italy side that's going to be a lot we, better in the next game. Yeah. We play Italy on Thursday. And oh, oh, I'm going to go glass half empty. If we don't sort our shit out, Italy yeah. will beat us. They they are significantly better than Georgia. Um, and they have what we, what many, what I any South African 
side, any age group side that has ever played rugby against any Italian side, um, this Italian under 20 side and the one last year, but mostly this one, have a different um, mindset in that they know they can win. Where previously it wasn't the case. You know, you, you understand that like mental, like when you know that, like the, when, when we face Italy, Italy know that the spring box and the junior box are better than them and they should win and they're going to give it their all, but they know that they're probably not going to make it over the line. This Italian side is different. Yeah. So we really need to pull finger. Four o'clock Thursday, we play Italy. It's big. Yeah. Let's move to some of the other bits and bits and bots about um, the other news in the rugby world. A few more other World Cups or, well, in this case, rugby championship squads have been announced. Argentina announced their squad earlier last week. No real surprises in the squad. Um, nothing really was noticeable. Kramer's there. Yes. Kramer's there. I thought he'd be banned for an eight eight months, but he's there. Just FYI for everybody. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be. Yeah, I'm sure he'll at least be able to make an appearance at the World Cup. But yeah, he's obviously when he isn't stupid, he's obviously one of their key players. So I assume he's going to be in that loose trio with himself, Matera, and Gonzalez. So that's yeah. But yeah, that team. I mean, Sean, you you can look through the names. They announced uh, 48 players. You look through those names, there's number one going to be quite a few good players in this out, especially in the back three positions. And number two, that first 23, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying Australia could be the team that goes through it that's on the other side of the pool. I would maybe put my money on Argentina. Argentina love a World Cup. They're mm-hmm. always up for it. And they generally are a, they're a hard knockout team to play. Like, they're really they're either going to beat you in the quarters or they're going to make you work for it. So yeah, I'd be wary of them. And remember, they got shakes. That man's always worth something somewhere. <laughs> he's interesting, interesting human, but he's deadly. Like the same as Eddie Jones. Um, you know, like they've they've got something somewhere. Um, so I'd be worried with Argentina. The only thing that we have that the only thing that the whole world has. And that's our little trump card against the Pumas is that they hardly ever spend any time together. So yeah. that's why their World Cups are always generally so good is because they get to spend World Cup time together. But that's the only thing we have is that they don't jaw together as much as almost anyone else. Yeah, so they're going to be a threat. They're facing the All Blacks in Argentina in their first game. Yeah, I would be a Which is not a problem I'm... for them. No, no, no. Aren't they? No, they play... Oh, are they playing in Argentina? Yes. I thought, I thought they were playing in New Zealand. Sorry, my bad. They don't mind playing in New Zealand either, to be fair. But, yes. but sorry, my, my apologies. Yeah, they're playing the All Blacks at home. Oh, yeah. And a, a shaky All Blacks. Oof. Because they're still going to be shaky for a while. Yeah. We can probably do predictions in the next pod, but this rugby championship, there, you can make an argument for pretty much, especially because it's a shortened one, you can make an argument for pretty much any of the teams winning because... You can either say draw or teams are going to rest these players for these games, whatever. But, I mean, Argentina's draw is New Zealand at home. And then Australia in Australia. I mean, not the worst thing. And then South Africa in South Africa, which might be their second team. Depends. So you can think of a situation where Argentina gets two out of three wins there. Yeah, it's true. This tournament's going to go down to PD again, I think points difference something something like yeah. that's gonna happen we could go we could go 
uh, everyone with one with what two wins yeah two everyone wins, could one finish one. the last round with two wins yeah no, i think bonus points and, and the such will be very important then australia also came out mm. with their world cup squad or their rugby championship squad on saturday just a squad a public yeah. service announcement if you are australian and you weren't named in eddie jones's <laughs> squad you are cuck at rugby that I just you just need to know that he is named everybody. I'm sorry, no, Lolisio. Um, yeah, he's named both the Australian <laughs> squad and Australia, like the people that are injured, the people that are rehabbing, and then an Australian A squad that's going to be facing Tonga. So yeah, I think he named about what fifty odd players in in, in those squads or resting no, or whatever. Mate, he named seventy. How many? Is it seventy? I'm sure you met. I'm sure he named 72 or 70 something. I'll find out for you now. You can carry on with this, uh, with the intro. Okay, main highlights of the squad. Taniela Tupo's back, which is great. Um, There's a few new, or there is a new um, prop that's been chosen. Zane um, Nongo from um, the Queensland Reds. At lock, Will Skelton and Richie Arnold um, make their returns. They obviously play in La Rochelle and Toulouse respectively, which means there's no place for Caden Neville, which I think is a mistake. Loose forwards, no. no that's a no. big, big one, eh? Yeah, I, I don't understand that. There's Caden Neville, I think, I would probably actually even play him above Richie Arnold, at least in my opinion. Loose forwards, um, Tom Hooper has made it. He's not related to Michael Hooper. He is, they are likening him to Peter Steph Dutoy, which is not the worst comparison in the world. I think he does have a lot of that. Rob Liotta's back from his um, Achilles injury. Um, no Harry Wilson. So Queensland is pissed at the moment. Um, you've got obviously Jed Holloway and Michael Hooper is captain, actually co-captain with James Slipper. In the back line, you've got Quade Cooper. He's back at number 10. Um, he is with Carter Gordon, the youngster from the Rebels, and Ben Donaldson, um, who is one of the utilities. Let's come back to that a bit later. No Samu Karevi yet. He's still in the rehab squad of 20. And you've got the likes of Lene Kital and Isai Peresi and Nala Faketi in the centers. Back three, you've got Marika Korobete. He's back from, um, from Japan. Um, you've got Tom Wright, our favorite rugby player on Rugby Bits. You've got Suli Vunivalu, who must have the best band in the world because I don't understand why else he's been picked. Finally, you've got three utilities that have been picked by Eddie Jones. Um, utility in this case means that they are going to be playing not just multiple positions, either in the forwards or the backs, but possibly multiple positions in both the forwards and the backs. Those three utilities are Ben Donaldson. I don't know if he can call lineouts, but he might be playing in the loose forwards and in the back in the back line. <laughs> you've got Josh Kemery, Kim- who I think plays for the Re- yeah he plays for the Rebels. Apparently, he's going to be put on the wing. And Dylan Pish, who's um, in the Waratahs, who plays wing, he's probably going to be the Jack Noel of this group and play in the loose forwards. Yeah, so Sean, I mean, no, 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 Noah Lolasio in either of the squads. So that's, I think, a shock to myself. You've got some players, the likes of Caden um, Neville, um, Flau Fainga, that probably, at least in my opinion, would be more than good enough for the main Australian squad, who I'm not understanding what, what's going to happen with them. Australia's really struggling with fullbacks. Um, 
they basically the only fullback options they have is Ben Donaldson, Reese Hodge, and Tom Wright, which will be fun. And apart from that, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all the surprises and, and all the things as well. In the Australian A squad, by the way, Seru Uru, the lock loose forward for the Reds, he's their utility player, so he'll also be in the centers probably. So, Sean, yeah, Eddie Jones has continued his tradition from England of picking a squad where you're going, huh, the whole time. Yeah, so... He has all in all named 72 players. Okay, eight uncapped players um, in, in the group. But as you, as you mentioned, the, the Aussie A's are also playing. So it's the right time. Same as the Kiwis. The Kiwis have, have named a New, Zealand, a New Zealand A side as well. It's the, definitely the right year to be doing that sort of stuff. You want to keep people in the mix. Um, I, I, I know he, uh, may, I, I'm a little bit biased, but I thought James O'Connor would have got a little bit of a look in just because of that 15 option. Um, you know, it allows you, um, he can play 10 or 12 or 13, and he can really go to 15 in worst case scenario, but it allows you to free up someone else to, to, to play, um, to play 15. But yeah, I, I don't think Eddie Jones is joking. The thing is, is Eddie Jones has created such an amazing brand for himself that he will say whatever he wants and people are like, Oh, is it banter? You know, is he going to do it? Like you'd never really know. And, um, but I do really think that we are going to get a 7-1 bench out of the Wallabies before the World Cup. I don't think it'll be trialed in the World Cup. Um, but we'll see a 7-1 bench. He's spoken about it. He's joked mm-hmm. about it. He, he's, he's deadly serious about having, a, having a, 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 a forward that can play on the wing. So, you know, that, that changes everything. The biggest omission of the whole lot is Tawera Kobala. I oh, just, yes. I just needed to say his name. I needed to still be out there in the universe. Uh, I, I need that to happen. Having said that, though, he's picked four overseas-based players in this five. group. Um, five. Who have I missed? So, so we've got Arnold, Skelton, Skelton, Arnold, Karevi, Coops, and... Man, I had one. Sorry. Can we just go back right. to the squad? No worries. Da, 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 da. Okay, Arnold, I've got. Bernard Foley. Got Will Skelton. No, he didn't pick Foley, at least in the main squad. Yeah. You've got Quade Cooper at 10. You've got Samu Karevi. Jeez, man, I had this um, just a few days ago. Okay, but continue. So there are, he's, he's over his, his quota. Um, so Corey Betts is the other one. He's over his quota. Yeah. Um, of, of foreign players. Um, so yeah, that kind of says, gives me the answer in itself, but yeah, I'd like to think he at least tried. I don't think anyone, any squad in the world could do if they had an opportunity to bring TKB into the mix, like in your squad, I think they'd, (laughs) I think they'd do well. Anyway, like I said, I just had to say it just to, (laughs) to keep it out there in the world, but yeah. It's an Eddie Jones squad. There's mix and match. There's, there's, you know him, he, he's never really bowed to that, like you've got to play this player. Um, I no. think Marcus Smith was, was a great example. You know, he avoided that for so long and then probably was forced into it and then it really didn't work. So he, he's very much a coach 
he has to coach like really high up, like test level or um, or a super, super wealthy club because he fits into that Jake White mold in that he he creates a team for what he wants and what he believes is going to win. So he will pick player X because he fits that mold, not because player X is playing well at the moment, but he knows that, you know what I mean? Like he's not a, um, a Jimmy Stonehouse who's only got these players and he needs to make that work. So Eddie Jones is going to Eddie Jones, um, but I, I won't lie. I'm, it's confusing and a bit stressful as, as, as a non-Wallaby fan because you kind of don't know what's happening. And we are, we are first up, mate. The Springboks are first up. <laughs> and we get to see what he, what he delivers. And Eddie Jones, he's not, he doesn't care. He's not going to show his hand now just so he can prove a point. You know, he'll whip out something somewhere and it might be for the Bledisloe game because they're always generally, well, not always, but it's a, a contest for a, long, a large period of time. Like he might whip out something somewhere towards the end of a game to win it or something like that. But you know that he's, in, he's only focused on one thing, and that's France. He's, the mm. World Cup is the be-all and end-all for Eddie Jones. That's all he wants. So I'm a bit, bit weary, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know what the Springbok technical staff is doing in the next two weeks because, yeah, you can't really prepare for this. Obviously, it's a new coach. It's new players. It's <laughs> utilities, question mark. Um, and there's some question marks about what's going to happen. I think just in terms of main question marks is I'd love to see what the Wallabies do um, with their locks. If they are going to start both Arnold and Skelton and go for size, um, that probably means uh, Slipper and Alatoa and Tupo need to do their bicep curls because they're going to be lifting heavy, <laughs> heavy loads then. Um, the Tupo question is also interesting. I think he's touch and go for the Springbok test. So it seems like he might not be 100% fit by then. Obviously, he's also coming back from a long-term injury. So that means two of either Gib or Gibbon and Nongo, Nonongo have, are going to probably um, be on the bench for the, the Springbok game at Loftus, which is yeah going to be a big test for them. Uh, I'd love to see what happens between Rob Liotta and Jed Holloway. I think that's going to be a very interesting battle for six. Um, backup nine is going to be interesting. Um, they have picked the the Brumbies back up. Um, oh no, the, Ryan Lonegren. Lonegren yeah, instead of Jake Gordon, this, which is interesting to say the least. So I'm not sure I, what, I look what at, that means. I look at that. Uh, like I think Lonegren's good. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's test quality yet. Yeah, but no one is before they're capped. To be frank, like let's play a game of state the obvious. But there's no ways that he's better than TKB. So it's interesting. Yeah. Or Jake Gordon. Um, yeah, I actually quite like Jake Gordon. Um, yeah, I, I actually do like him. I, I prefer him over McDermott. Um, mm. um, but McDermott's been like, to be fair, when, when I did have this, this argument, McDermott was absolutely on fire last season. So mm. it was really hard to back it up. But, um, but yeah, so... It's interesting to see. They, they're looking a little thin at nine for me. But in, having said that, is they, in, in, uh, in McDermott, they've, they've got a player that can totally play 20, 30 minutes and finish a game off, so that's not a problem. Yeah. And they love playing with uh, Nick White. They, they'll happily keep him on the whole game. You know, he's a brilliant nine. Tactically, he's incredible. He kicks yeah. well. He's I, always up in everyone's face, and he's a great leader. So, mm, yeah. Sean, 
I think they might because of the tens. Because, I mean, they've got Quaid as a 10. Quaid's not been the best with injuries the last few years. And they've only got Gordon and Donaldson as their other options. I think it might be that McDermott starts with Quaid and then Nick White is basically babysitter to either Gordon or Donaldson who comes off the bench. So he might be like in that bomb squad, you'll play. And I mean, we know Eddie Jones is not scared to sub someone out after 30 minutes, but yeah, White will probably only come on in like the second half and, you know, do a bit of babysitting with the young 10 that he plays with. I don't see that. Mm. I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think the Wallabies can afford to, to not start Nick White under any circumstances. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. Yeah. Or, you know, you could be onto something in that Nick White is always going to start. So let's see how the other lads start in case we need them. So you, you possibly yeah. have a very, you, you have a very valid point, but in a competitive game and by competitive, I mean like a game that really, really matters. Um, Nick White starts every yeah. single day of the week. Yeah. So 10 is going to be interesting. If they're going to, how they manage Carter Gordon, is he going to be thrown in straight in this um, Springbok game and put on the bench? And with the possibility that Quaid, I mean, hasn't had the best luck with injuries, or is are they going to start with Don or like get Donaldson off the bench? He covers fifteen, which is one of the positions that have a bit of an issue. And yeah, who who plays fifteen? Probably Reese Hodge, since he covers everything already. It might be Tom Wright, which would be hilarious, or it might be Donaldson. And Donaldson really wasn't good in the in Super Rugby, especially after he got picked um, by. Eddie Jones, that training squad, he didn't really play well. And then at, at, in, in midfield, I mean, until Karevi comes back, it'll probably be Fiketi and Ikital with Parisi as backup. In the wings, it's probably going to be Korobete and Nawakani Tawase. I mean, he played amazingly in the November tour. Um, the only issue is that he was playing as, a, as an 11, and Korobete is also 11, but I think Mark can play at 14 as well. Otherwise, I think Tom Wright will be a backup. I, I don't know, Sean. I really have no idea what Vonivalu does is doing in the squad. Like, I know he's been pushed from rugby league and all that sort of stuff, but he is not a great rugby union player. Yeah, or as Eddie Jones would put it, not yet, because he clearly <laughs> sees something there. Yeah, but maybe you you got to feel this is this is the last chance. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe he sees a bit of Loti Takiri in him. I don't know. Like, and he was the one that was able to help transform Takiri. But yeah, uh, I don't see it. Yeah. Let's just hope they don't all come right against us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's the only thing I really care about right now. <laughs> I am, don't, yeah. don't make us look like idiots. I'm very keen <laughs> to see what the, that 50 or 23 is going to be for that game in two weeks' time. Sean, final few bits of news um, on a bit of a funny note. I saw a tweet that said that the Springboks are probably going to have Lucanio Arm and Peter Steph to toy in this um, Australia team that will mostly be a second team, which is um, interesting news. And then um, our friend um, from the Rugby Fixation podcast, uh, Mitch Evans, said that, I mean, Lucanio Arm isn't really the best weapon against Australia. He hasn't beaten them yet, and he always takes lessons from Lenny Kitao. So, <laughs> can't really say much that, about I that. I saw that tweet. Yeah, I saw that tweet. He's 
sort of spicing things up early, Mitch? <laughs> we on to you? It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. It'll uh Bikanya, I'm just just waiting for that for that moment. Um but um yeah, very interesting. I, it goes back to um to Ninova's quote of um you know, we're not picking an A and a B side. We are picking a side we can believe we believe can can beat Australia. So I'm going to stick to that. But <laughs> I'm I just want to find out what's happening with Damien Willemser because I need to I need to get mentally ready to have have um, um, Elton Yanchi's play a test match again <laughs> because if Willemser if Willemser's fit, Elton probably is benched somewhere along the line. But if Willemser's not fit, then I would think that Yanchis will start at 10 against the Wallabies just to really just send South African Twitter rugby into absolute chaos. You just want chaos, Sean. <laughs> I just want Yanchis to, to play again. <laughs> I want to see what he's got. That's what I want. I want to see what he's got. Like I want to see on the field is if, if he's got what it takes to go to the World Cup. Is he there to put pressure on people and really add value or is he there to make up the numbers? Mm. And I believe... Is there not to make up the numbers? I think he's there with a realistic shot, just to piss everyone off. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. And then finally, on some not so good news, um, it actually happened during we were recording. The Blue Bulls rugby union has um, announced that Sport Gorsi is his contract with the Bulls has been terminated uh, by mutual consent, so he is a free agent. As yeah, I mean. We've seen in the last few months that the relationship between Gorsi and the and the Bulls hasn't been great. Um, yeah, there were many episodes in this timeline with obviously he was away for a bit, they couldn't find him, then he returned, and there's been a few comments by Jake in the media and possibly an Instagram post by Gorsi about the Bulls. And yeah, it's obviously it's gone too far. It's too far gone now. So there probably wasn't really an opportunity for it to be reconciled. So he's um, I, not going to be. I just in want to jump team. in there. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you. I thought you were moving on. Sure. I think it's. I think it's a great. I think it's a great move. Um, I don't know how to explain this. After everything that has happened, the Bulls have stuck with them. They've been involved. There have been things said. Um, but by all accounts, it looks like the Bulls really have been there. Like from from what we can see, they didn't completely discard him straight up and all that because stuff happened and you know you don't know what's going on and then you find out what's going on. So, but I I agree totally with what you finished off with is that before I interrupted you, my apologies is <laughs> is it's just too far gone. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. I think like they've got respect for each other. Like I think he'll have respect for the Bulls for for whatever was done. Um, you know, after all this shit happened and the Bulls will have respect for the fact that he's come back and done what he's done. But, you know, there were things said that didn't go, you know, there's, he's had a moment, you know, he's, he's been away um, and he's now got a new lease on life and he's realized like things need to change and, and that changes the way you address things. So maybe the contract negotiations were addressed differently or maybe the team selection and he's just like, listen, this is not for me. This is probably what got me was a contributing factor into how things happened. And so, yeah, so I think it's, it's run its course, even though both parties, I think, would probably look at each other a little bit of respect for what happened behind the scenes. So I look at it differently in that I think it's a great call. I don't think he will struggle to 
to get another team. I don't. It's all about that new beginning at the new team is uh, is everything done and fixed so it doesn't happen again or yeah. is there enough communication and openness is it you know what i mean like if if things go um go wonky again like is there enough support base and belief and understanding that it it can change for the positive so i think it's i think it's a good call i'd love to see where he where he goes i, I really would i don't think he'll be going back to the sharks um but I don't know who in South Africa, but who's after after player, but maybe like a total change of scenery, um, UK, France, Japan, you know, maybe maybe something like that will, will be a thing. But uh, I think it's a positive move, um, even though it, it the contract was ended by mutual agreement with immediate effect, just generally means there's been an altercation of some sort. But hopefully... Everything's been set up for his next move. I think it's a great call, and I really, really hope that it's it's a it's a it's a great call. Mm. Look, I think at this stage, it's probably for the best, considering all of the dynamics. That I mean, yeah, obviously, hearing it from Jake White's side, unfortunately, but like what he alluded to seemed like was that he should probably go overseas, um, just to get away from everything. And I mean, obviously, of course, he's in, is in the best position to say whether that should be the case or not. If if he does stay in South Africa, I mean, the Stormers seem to do a job at re, redeeming and re like re, rejuvenating players' careers. So I mean, he he wouldn't be bad there. And they are looking for outside backs. It does look like they have signed um, Warwick Halant and Ben Loder. We need to actually quickly talk about Ben Loder after this. Um, so yeah, Stormers and Lions are probably the only options in locally and then overseas. Yeah. Hopefully he does find a place and does find a team. Yeah. So Sean, I would say, I agree with you only if he finds another contract, I, I wouldn't want this to be the end of the story for him in rugby. Yeah. I mean, just you, you hopefully, I mean, he's still 27. Jeez. You still want him to have at least one more good contract at least before he, um, finishes his career so hopefully he does have an opportunity for that to happen if he does obviously need time off you know all the better as well i mean the period yankee i don't think we've talked about it in the podcast but a period yankee has been shy by, signed by the sharks that shows in a different context that yeah there will be teams that are waiting or willing to sign you even if you take a bit of a break from rugby so yeah he did show though in the barbarians game that the ability is still there he can still be a good high-level wing. So maybe that game was the best thing for him that just put him in the shop window for any other overseas team to take him. So yeah, hopefully that does happen, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it, man. I think, I think there are very few people in South Africa that don't, don't like really dislike him. I think most like him. I think he, he, showed, uh, he showed his worth to the Springboks and... Uh, leaving the Sharks and at the Bulls and leaving the Bulls was a little bit iffy and butty, but it's about moving forward. And he, he, there's no doubt about it that he is, has the ability to add value to any team that he goes to. He, he has that. He's got that work rate about him, you know? So, so yeah. But yeah, oof, hoping him all the best. But you were talking about uh, Galant, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, Galant, yeah, he's officially been released by, the, by Racing. Seems like he's coming back to South Africa. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but 
very exciting to see him back. I mean, Tim Willemson and Limbok were tearing up new things. So you're very excited about that. But I want to talk about Ben Loder. Um, he is a London Irish player. I think he's only 22 or 23 this year. Um, a London Irish heart, unfortunately, has gone through um, administration. They won't be in the premiership next season. Um, and yeah, the one thing, if you don't know anything about London Irish, is that they have great um, backline, talented backline players. So Henry um, Arundel, he's um, probably the star of the, of the lot. He's probably going to go to Racing now. Um, you have Walt Joseph. He's just signed for um, Harlequins, basically as a like-for-like like replacement for Joe Marchant. And yeah, I think you can't really get a better replacement than that. No such thing. No, can't. <laughs> you can't replace Joe Marchant. You'll I need love to make Walt a team Joseph. up of my players. I do, I do <laughs> like him, but you can't replace Joe. Like, <laughs> I really anyway, want to hear this sorry. short 15, actually. And then, yeah, I think Ben Loder might actually be the more talented of the bunch, at least in my opinion. He is things that I've cooking. seen. Yeah. But he's he'll a be great 15. Yeah. I think he's, he's a play great 15. 14, probably for the Stormers. Yeah. If everyone's fit. But he's a yeah. great option at 15. Yeah. So can I throw another spanner in the works? It's yeah. been very much on the low, on, on the download, but Courtney Kosan is back in Cape Town. Ooh. And he's with Western Province. Interesting. And the reason why I saw so is um, Tigerberg Rugby Club uh, put something out about there was some raffle kind of like a player thing where just, um, like players, fringe players were drafted into club rugby teams. Um, and like they all belong to a club rugby team. Like there's quite a few Springboks that are involved, like uh, Mal Herbers. I don't even know where he's gone, but I know he's been allocated a club, but he's not going to play club rugby. Like, let's be honest. But Kortnos Kassan was there. So I knew, I mean, I was pretty sure he was back in Cape Town. Um, and I knew when he left Saints that he, I hadn't seen an announcement yet about where he was going. So it looks like he'll be in the mix. So the back three for the Storm was looking like pretty, pretty tight at the moment. Oof, 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 oof. I mean, look, Scorsano will be great. Um, Loaded, I mean, Scorsano's 11, Loader 14, Halan 15. You still got um, David's, um, Zas, Blomakis' options as well. <sighs> Yo, the Stormers and are... Willemse. Willemse I know they, I know they're going to... Yeah, I know they're going to miss him a lot because of the World Cup. So there's going to be stand downs for the Springboks. But they're all of a sudden, like it's almost going to be a case of what, what I believe will happen if I'm just looking at these players and let's say they're all fit and they're all in contention to start. Willems is going to have to go to 12 and Nell's going to go to 13. Well, he's at 13. He'll stay there. Yeah. That's where I think they fit it in. I think. Starting Kalant at fifteen, you if you've got those players, you want to start Kalant at fifteen, and then you can you can have Loder on the wing. I would love to start Loder at fifteen, um, but I don't think that it'll happen in that way. I think Kalant will 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 take that or Vilmsa. So, um, but I would love to see Loder at fifteen. But wherever he is in the back three, he he needs to play. Um, but yo, now all of a sudden. Like Dobbo's in a space where he's really got to make some tough, tough decisions. I mean, good decisions to make, but tough decisions nonetheless. But yeah, I think, I mean, if Stisitole can work hard at lucid prop and at least give 
70, 80% of what Kipsov can do, there's no reason for the Stormers not to be in the business and end of Lizzo the URC. And Lizzo's gone to the Stormers as well. Yeah. Now, so. they, now him, I love Steve, but Lizzo, I'm still, he still was on the fringe of making that Springbok World Cup squad in 2019. And he's injured, been injured and hasn't got to where he was back then after injury. And I'm waiting for that to happen. That must happen at the Stormers. It must happen now. This is his moment. Stormers are loaded, absolutely loaded. Yeah. Like we're talking about it now. The, shar- the Sharks were loaded, loaded last year. The Stormers almost look like that, that loaded, loaded side now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a different type of loaded. They've bought players that will actually, number one, be available for the most of the season. They didn't just buy Springboks. And players that make sense in their squad. So that, I think, is a massive difference instead of just buying people just to, for the sake of buying people. So, yeah, there's a, the setup is there. And, yeah, I think there's, there's little reason to not expect the Stormers to be right up there next season. Um, they, yeah, especially if they've basically sorted out the two main issues from the end of the season is replacing Kitsov. They've got the Boga and um, Stisa Tole as, as um, replacements. They can also get um, some water from the Brock Harris Fountain of Youth to keep them young. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and uh, then you've got... And Loda, the Dion Ferry. And the Dion Ferry Fountain of Youth, of course. And yeah, I mean, Loden Galant <laughs> in your back three... Possible Konuskasan as well. Jeez, that's going to be a really exciting back three. And they did say there were issues with the back three at the end of the season. I think actually most of the issues were that Damien Willemsa was playing at 15 and he should actually be playing at 12. Yeah, I think near the end of the season, I think he was almost getting into that stage of trying to do too much um, almost by himself instead of almost letting the game come to him. And maybe 12 was actually his best position. Another conversation for another day. But yeah, I'm very excited for Halant at 15 because I think that brings balance to everything. And yeah, I mean, didn't really work out for him at Racing, but he did. He still had a pretty decent season, all things considered, in a big Galactico team like that. So yeah, excited for him to bring back all that he's learned back to Cape Town. Yeah. Oof, can't wait. And then, yeah, very quickly, we have covered um, Ken Owens being injured. Um, I hope Paul Williams and Squid Rugby and all the Welsh Twitter people are ready to be in the World Cup squad. And then (laughs) I see a tweet here that says that apparently the Crusaders are going to Ireland to play Munster next year. When? Like Um, a preseason? I guess so, yeah. So probably just before Super Rugby starts. They basically, it's like a, almost like a test run for a world club championship and how that would work. So the problem yeah, is, is it's going to be no, no all blacks and no Irish internationals there. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, it has to be basically in that perfect scenario where it's that week before um, the players get withdrawn for the six nations and for NZR to somehow be nice enough to allow the All Blacks to play. So, yeah, I think this is probably, yeah, you're right, Sean. I, I, I got excited, but you're right with your reality. This is probably not going to be. <laughs> Sorry for being that guy. Get ready for Antoine Frisch versus Fergus Burke. That's what Sean has said. Yeah, it's going to happen. 
Listen, Frisch <laughs> is still going to get a little look in with Ireland, eh? A couple injuries, he's in the mix. He's leapfrogged yeah. Hume and can play 12 or 13, oh, so. I feel sad for Hume, man. I, I, oh, I the last 12 months has been really bad for him, man. Jeez. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I think let's end it off here. I think that's basically all the news in the rugby world that we've covered. Thank you so much um, for listening to another episode of the Rugby Biz Podcast. Please follow us on social media, on, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram as well. Follow our website, Rugby Bits website as well for new postings about our, our podcast and everything. I've got, I, I've got something as a bit of a sneak. I've got something just working for the, for the Rugby World Cup. Um, a little article just looking at the top 10 sides and what they what and how they're looking shaping up for the World Cup. So hopefully that will be released in the next few weeks. And yeah, please also support us on, on your po- favorite podcast provider. Like, share, subscribe, unsubscribe and subscribe again and do all the things to make sure that our numbers are juiced. <clears throat> I mean that we have legit numbers in our podcast listening numbers as well. And yeah, Sean, thank you so much for this. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next podcast where we can actually discuss um, some test rugby that's actually about to happen. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks so much, my man. Okay, cheers, everyone. <laughs>